Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the podcast. This week I am thrilled to be joined by clinical psychologist Dr. Carolyn Boyd. I reached out and invited Carolyn onto the podcast because she is doing amazing work in the field of perinatal mental health and I was particularly drawn to her interest and expertise on the topic of intrusive or what are also known as harm thoughts, which of course we will be discussing today. This topic is still quite taboo, despite how common the experience is. And I think that's likely because of the shame and the overwhelm that those who experience harm thoughts feel. And so my intention with this episode is to bring it out into the light where we can talk openly without judgment. Um, And I certainly feel there's no one better to have that conversation with than you, Dr. Carolyn. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It is so lovely to connect with you face-to-face, even though I've been following your work through Instagram and and read a bit of your work as well. Perhaps for anybody that is new, though, um, to you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and and the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So my name's Caroline, and I'm a perinatal clinical psychologist, and I work with mums and dads around all aspects of the transition to parenthood and beyond. Um, And I'll probably be referring a little bit to my doctoral research today. Um, So for that, I did in-depth interviews with eight women who weren't being treated at the time for a condition like postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety um, about their experience of unwanted intrusive thoughts of harm about the baby. And so it's, I guess, yeah, it's a topic that I've become, well, my interest in it came from having my first baby Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess my own experience and, and that prompted my research. And then from there, um, I've just become very passionate about spreading the messages um, around, you know, what these thoughts are and and why we're scared to talk about them as mothers, because I think that's where the shame comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully we'll be getting stuck into this today. Absolutely. It's such an important conversation to be having. So perhaps um, to start off, could we just pull back for a moment and when, and maybe define what it is that we're talking about when we refer to intrusive or harm thoughts? Can you tell us what, what does that involve? Yeah, I think it's a really good idea to zoom out because Actually, if we're thinking about intrusive thoughts in the general population, more generally, they are so common. So, you know, around 80 to 90% of us will have an intrusive thought from time to time that is unwanted. 
Um, so by this, I'm talking about, you know, having an involuntary urge to say scream when you're in a really quiet building or, you know, maybe when you um, go up to the top of a really high building, you might have an involuntary urge to, to jump off. And so usually what these thoughts map onto is the most inappropriate thing that you can think of doing at the most inappropriate time. So it's, you know, it's things that really fly against the, um, against social convention. And that is why they come, you know, they pop up seemingly out of nowhere. And that's why they come with feelings of horror. You know, where did that thought come from? Mm. Um, But actually they are very common and a particular category that we're talking about today are unwanted intrusive thoughts related to our babies. Um, and so, you know, these can be word thoughts. So thinking my baby isn't safe images. Um, so maybe having a mental picture of dropping your baby down the stairs or urges or impulses. And they come in broadly two forms. So one is accidentally harming your baby And these have been found to be pretty much universal. So pretty much Mm -hmm. every single woman will experience these after having a baby. And they do, you know, you might also experience them in pregnancy. Um, And examples of accidental thoughts of harm are having an image of your baby falling off the mat or Mm -hmm. um, your baby perhaps suffocating um, or drowning in the bath because you you know they your baby slipped out of your hands Mm -hmm. so the other kind of category um of these unwanted intrusive thoughts are thoughts of intentional harm and examples of these are thoughts of screaming at your baby or unwanted impulses to throw or to shake your baby and these have been found to be experienced by nearly one in two women so that's still Mm. that's still a lot and yeah. I and I do wonder if that is actually an underestimation because of the shame and because of the unacceptability of disclosing these kinds of thoughts and the mm. possible ramifications of doing that. Um, and they these kind of thoughts, you know, whether they're the accidental type unwanted harm thoughts or or thoughts of intentional harm are experienced by new mums as really upsetting. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I think we sh- we need to talk more about them. Absolutely. So I I wasn't actually aware before I started following your work about the the how common this was. I mean, the first type that you mentioned, mm. um, almost you said almost universal or universal, nearly a hundred percent of women, the mm. research indicates, mm. experience these thoughts. And so I I feel like it's a good time to say this was my experience as well. I remember so clearly, so vividly um, where I live with when I had my first son. We have two stories and in the upstairs level there's like a void where you can look down to the bottom and I just remember thinking, mm-hmm. what if I just, he just fell off the the, mm-hmm. the side and, and fell down and it really threw me because um, it was at a time when I wasn't particularly distressed or anxious and it literally felt like a mm-hmm. bolt from the blue that just came and hit me in quite graphic detail <laughs> and then and yeah. the second time was with more recently with my baby, who is now almost two, not really a baby anymore. But um, because when I had her, the boys were five and three. So you can imagine chasing two busy little toddlers around with a mm. new baby. I pretty much exclusively baby wore. So she was always on me when she wasn't in the cot. And I remember I loved that, but 
my enjoyment of that was compromised by these intrusive thoughts of thinking, what if I tripped and fell on top of her, <laughs> you know, mm. and that was so confronting. And I, I know now through following like people like you and your work and the conversations that I'm beginning to see open up with, with thanks mm-hmm. to people like you, that these are so common, but, and there's comfort in that for sure, but they really are quite distressing for people, right? Yeah, no, I think it's really important to acknowledge that. And thank you for sharing your experience of those kind of thoughts. I mean, can you, without, you know, giving too much personal detail, but can you say, do you remember how, when you first had those thoughts, how they made you feel? Oh, terribly panicked, terribly panicked, Mm -hmm. quite Mm -hmm. um, ashamed because I thought, does this reflect some sort of negligence on my behalf that I'm mm. I'm worried? Like, do I, can I not be trusted to carry my baby in mm. case he somehow falls over the void? So, and that mm. was as a, as a new mum for the first time. So I feel like it was much more intense then, but look, certainly mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a fairly sensitive person. I don't watch violent films or read graphic novels because they impact me. So the nature and the, how vivid these thoughts were mm. was quite distressing. I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, well thank you for sharing that too because I think that they can be really vivid the visions and um they can be very frightening and and unexpected I think and that's mm. actually what I found in my research and in my work with mums clinically is that these sorts are really upsetting because they come with really intense emotions and a, and a lack of controllability so like you say they seem to come up pop up out of the blue, out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, if you think at the same time, as a new mum, you're grappling with adjusting to your new role. Yes. Those first few months, you know, they're so raw and you are vulnerable, you know, as yes. a new mum, you are. Um, and, you know, you're you're then experiencing these thoughts on top of, the adjustment which is huge mm-hmm. um and so these thoughts I don't know if it's helpful just to add but they've they've been found to they can pop up you know seemingly out of nowhere in quite neutral situations and they've also been associated with stress mm-hmm. which makes sense doesn't it because Absolutely. in the, those first few months they are inevitably stressful and and then for some women and families there's additional layers of stress you know, whether that's um, kind of external stress because of having moved house or dealing with other siblings, as you talked about, um, or perhaps, you know, having had a a difficult childhood and that being stirred up through your Mm. experience. So I think it's not that surprising that these thoughts have been found to, to be linked to stress and also to feeling unsupported. Um, makes a lot of sense and Carolyn in your research you mentioned that you had your doctoral work and your research was focused around this topic Um, so with the women that you met and spoke with and I guess since then with the the women that you um, work with in your practice what what do you find is the case the what do you believe is the reluctance to 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 talk about this? Is it shame? Is it um, fear even? Um, or, yeah, what, what would you say about that? Mm. Yeah, I think that's, I guess there's a few parts um, in answering that question because I think partly, you know, why are these thoughts 
so upsetting you know partly it's because of the the stress that's that they come with and the and the feelings of distress as you as you just touched on the other reason why their experience is upsetting is because they're so taboo so yes Mm -hmm. I think they do come with intense feelings of shame and sometimes guilt sometimes horror and I guess it might be reassuring for your listeners to hear because you know because of the taboo they're not talked about but actually the fact that women do feel real shame and horror and guilt when they have these thoughts is a strong sign that they're not going to hurt the baby so Mm -hmm. I just think it's really important to emphasize that these kind of thoughts with unwanted intrusive thoughts they tend not to sit comfortably with the woman Okay, so in the literature, it's, they're described as ego dystonic, which is a, mm-hmm. a fancy way of saying they just clash with your sense of self, which okay. is why you feel that that um, horror. Yeah. And so it just means that they're not indicative of risk in themselves. So I just think it's important to make a distinction between the kinds of thoughts that we're talking about today and the kinds of thoughts that might occur in, say, postpartum psychosis. Yeah. Um, where, you know, there, there, there are different concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's just to, to say that having unwanted intrusive thoughts and the research shows this doesn't make you any more likely to deliberately hurt your baby. Okay. And I guess also, of course, the context is important. So if a mother states intention to harm her baby or has a history of harming her baby, then, of course, we need to take that seriously. Yes. But I think, you know, you are you are asking, you know, why don't we talk about these thoughts and touching on the shame? I think that it links to what I refer to as the supermum myth. Oh, so, yes. You know, this idea of, you know, the good mum, some people call it the, you know, the perfect mum myth. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't talk about these kinds of thoughts because they don't fit our our ideas of what it means to be a good mum. Yes. And so actually, you know, none of us, we've all internalised these, um, <laughs> these ideas, actually, from a very young age. So no one's sort of immune to them. And by these ideas, what I'm talking about is, you know, um, I guess like cultural ideas where we we only see the positive positive images, so you know I'm thinking the Madonna and child um, images that you might see on a church window, um, yeah. the the positive curated <laughs> Instagram feeds um, mm-hmm. where you know we get we see all the good bits, um, mm. and the fairy tales that we're read as children. So the thing is with these with all of these cultural ideas and images is that they become internalized by us and they set the standard for what is a good mum and therefore yeah. a bad mum. And yeah. that's why, that's why, and this is what I found in my research, I think there's a real fear around talking about these kinds of thoughts. As well as I should probably add that there are sometimes, sadly, real consequences for disclosing these kinds of thoughts in that you mm-hmm. know they're perceived to be risky and followed mm-hmm. up in a way that makes mum feel um judged and uh, you know and isn't helpful 
which is yeah, why I think it's it, important to raise awareness about what these kinds of thoughts are. <laughs> definitely. And as you touched on before, often these are occurring at a time for mothers when they're already intensely vulnerable um, because they're mm. in that postpartum period where there is so much readjustment and, you know, evolving. And yeah, it's, it's a time of, of often turmoil at times as well. So I can understand why there might be reluctance to come forward. But it's interesting, the super mum myth that you referred to. Um, I think it's it's so great that you've raised that too and, and how it relates to this experience. Because I think, again, awareness of that and beginning to pick that apart and think, well, you know, am I sort of hesitant to broach this with my girlfriends or my partner or even my, you know, my health professionals because it doesn't fit the image of the mum that I consider myself to be. But mm-hmm. when we look at the at the data and what it shows, the fact, you know, universally that this is an experience, I think that just opens up so much more uh, or so opens up freedom for us to be honest about this experience. So I suppose that leads me, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? Well, no, just that I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I think, you know, I think that there are real implications of the supermum myth in that, you know, we internalise this idea that there's only one way to feel as a mother, as in, you know, joyful and we must be calm and in control and coping at all times, which mm-hmm. means that any sort of negative feelings, quote unquote, um, mean that we're somehow bad or abnormal and this is how you know the women in my research and in my clinic how they you know well they talk to me about how they make sense of their thoughts of harm which is that they sometimes interpret them to mean that they're a bad mum yeah yeah and I suppose that therein lies the role of all of this cultural messaging that we oft, sometimes even subconsciously have internalised. If we're not having conversations like this, some might not even be aware that these are beliefs or, um, yeah, messages that they hold mm. that are playing into our experience of motherhood now as well. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's like a double whammy. So imagine a new mum, vulnerable, you know, as we talked about, experiencing an unwanted sort of harm, which is distressing in itself. And then there's the kind of additional layer of of shame. And so, you know, it turns into a negative spiral. So yeah. then she feels bad for feeling bad. Yes, <laughs> so it's, it's, yes. It's like a double whammy. <gasps> yes, yeah. You want to talk about a spiral, my goodness. So for people, for, 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 you know, anyone listening that might find themselves with this experience, where do we begin? Where do we begin to um, examine them? And, and what is the best way to approach dealing with these thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a good question. And I think actually, a very simple, yet effective intervention, if you like, is to talk about your thoughts, you know, to mm-hmm. talk about these kinds of thoughts. If you can be brave, and talk to a mum friend, you know, so you need to assess, obviously, if that mum friend would understand and has capacity to sort of hear you. 
Um, but the likelihood is, is that she will have had very, you know, if not the same, but similar experiences with these kinds of thoughts. And what my research showed was that talking brings huge belief. So, mm. you know, mum spoke of real fears around sharing these kinds of thoughts and actually that they had um, what they had shared was limited. However, when they were able to share their thoughts, it brought such relief and there was such a feeling of validation. So that mm. was a really powerful thing that came across. So I think talking helps. Um, I think if you're listening and you're really struggling with these kinds of intrusive thoughts, then really I can't say emphasize enough to seek help. Mm -hmm. And as I say, it might be from a loved one as a first step to help you make sense of how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so you feel less alone in them. And and also to speak to a trusted health professional. So, you know, Jackie, I know you're based in Sydney. I'm based in the UK. In the UK, the GP is your gateway to support. It might also be your um, health visitor or your midwife. And... I do have I have some information I've kind of got a whole section on my website about these kinds of thoughts so do have a look there I've also put a short leaflet which is aimed at health professionals um, so you have a look at that too and you can always if you feel that maps onto your experience you could always share that with a professional that you're talking to if you feel it would be helpful um, and I think the other thing just to add you know, while we're talking about seeking help is that whilst the kinds of thoughts we're talking about today, as in unwanted, intrusive thoughts of harm, aren't clinically alarming. If you are experiencing, you know, an overwhelming intention or desire to hurt yourself or your baby, mm -hmm. then please do seek emergency help. So that means, you know, in the UK, that means going to A&E, yeah. Um, or you can make an on-the-day appointment with your GP. Yes, and that would that would be the, the parallel here too in Australia for anyone listening. If you are, if you find you're in distress, or you're even if you're at the point where you're not quite sure, where you cannot, you know, you don't have the clarity to determine, and you think, you know, maybe I would, or maybe I, there is some imminent threat here to either yourself or the baby. Absolutely, the first point of call is to present to emergency, where there will be medical professionals to help you. So that's so important. I will also um, link to your website and to those resources that you just mentioned then because that will be super helpful I'm sure for people to have a look at. Um, I wanted to ask you know in all of this talk we've been speaking a lot about the experience of mothers with these sorts of thoughts what does do you find is it present in fathers as well? Yeah it's it is yeah there's, okay. a, there's a very um, small body of research on these kinds of thoughts um and there's an even smaller body of research on dads, but dads have been found mm -hmm. to experience them too. And to a slightly lesser degree than mums. But yeah, dads okay. do get them. And I think it is, you know, thank you for highlighting fathers because, I mean, I found when I did my research and I find sort of thinking about, you know, fathers' mental health, that they, they're sort of airbrushed out of the literature yeah. and out of the picture. And it's, and it's very unhelpful and it it's very unhelpful for the mental health of dads and mm. it's also it, it 
it increases the responsibility or the feeling of responsibility and, and the weight of the load for mothers too. So I think, you know, we need, we need to, we need to think about that carefully and we need to include dads. Um, we need more research really. Um, yeah. We really do on these kinds of thoughts in, in, um, in, in mothers and in fathers and in parents um, from different, you know, who are, who are from different backgrounds different contexts you know whether that yeah. relates to race or class um sexuality we we really do need more research yeah I wanted to just so to pick up on oh sorry oh sorry no you carry on you go no you go you go <laughs> I was just going to say on that then because obviously there is this lack of research across those different um groups is there any information you can comment on I mean are the is this experience of intrusive and harm thoughts particularly linked to one group or other, or is, does it tend to be sort of cross cultural and, and universal? I think that we need more research before we can mm. say, you know, say anything really conclusive. I think the research at the moment is limited in that, you know, we do need to include more. Um, groups more diverse groups and at the moment the research maps mainly onto middle class and educated parents Mm -hmm. so that's something um to think about but yeah I mean I think it says something about the taboo nature of these thoughts um that the the research is so there's been such a delay around the research around them So hopefully that will begin to change. And I'm aware of research being carried out at the moment on fathers, which is brilliant. Um, There's a key researcher in in Canada called Nicole Fairbrother, and she's carrying out a big study at the moment as well. Um, And actually what her research is looking into is the, um, I guess, the implications and the... um, the risks of these sorts in terms of how they relate to anxiety and actually uh-huh. you know bec- you know because we don't talk about them um and because of the abnormal context that that mums are mothering in today yes. as in very yes. isolated um it you know it raises anxiety so so I think that's what we need to be thinking about at the moment is how we can help and support mothers to feel to feel less isolated and more supported because they really Mm. do need more support and less judgment if I mean on that I'm just aware that some of your listeners might be wondering um you know how some tips on on coping with these kinds of thoughts what that's exactly what what I was going to ask next yes have you got any that you could share um for anyone that yeah is interested in in knowing how how they can be supported through this yeah I mean as as we were saying I think talking really does help um so that's a big one I think bringing awareness to things like we were saying the power of the super mum myth and understanding how that sort of feeds into our experience of these thoughts because what we know is that it's the meaning that we take from these thoughts and vivid visions that gives them power so Mm -hmm. it's actually you know if we think about the meaning of these thoughts and the fact that 
you know, when we, if you think about, you know, the, that we have so many thoughts in any one day, we have between sort of four and 6,000 thoughts a day, then it's no wonder that we will get some that are sort of weird and wonderful. <laughs> um, so, and then you think about the very, you know, the perfect storm of early motherhood and, and what's going on. Um, and so I think with all of the, this sort of, this perfect storm, you then have this attention grabbing thought that provokes horror and, you know, shame perhaps. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thought is very hard to ignore. Yeah. Whereas, you know, perhaps if you were, you know, perhaps if it was less um, charged emotionally, it would be a bit easier to ignore in the way yeah. that you might with other strange thoughts you have. So I think one thing that can be really reassuring is to understand that these thoughts have been understood as part of adjusting to the responsibility of becoming a mum. Okay. So so I guess if you think about, um, and actually what my research showed is that it made mums more conscious of their position of power in in contrast to their baby's vulnerability. So these kind of thoughts were understood to be a kind of effective warning signal, making them sort of more alert and 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 more um, ready to protect their baby. So that's that's one way of understanding them, which I think yeah, can be helpful. That's quite a what, powerful reframe, really, when you think about it. That you know. In the moment, it can be so distressing, as we've mentioned. But if we can pull back enough um, from it and separate ourselves enough from the thought to look at the potentially protective function, even that these thoughts have, if we, you know, mm-hmm. it's increasing our attunement to our baby and our awareness mm. of the need to be present with them or aware of them. Uh, for me, there's great comfort in that because I can sort of see the benefit or the, the not the benefit even, but the. Um, the importance of these thoughts and it's interesting that you mentioned about um, a minute ago you talked about the meaning that we attribute to them because it like you Mm -hmm. said we all have thoughts whether you know postpartum or otherwise and when I reflected on that I thought yeah I did used to have those thoughts you know on top of buildings what would happen if I just jumped off now or you know what if I just Mm -hmm. had a a moment and launched off in you know in front of a train or something Um, Mm. But I didn't, I thought, mm, that was weird. And off I went about my day. Whereas the difference here was I made these thoughts, and I'm sure many, obviously others do the same thing. We make them mean something about us and about our relationship yes. with the baby and about our capability or our worthiness of being a mother. I mean, so many different channels. So um, that's very interesting as well, I think. Yes, yes. And that's, and that's where the, I guess the skills around mindfulness come in, where, yeah. you know, when you're when you know let's give an example but when you're let let me talk about a personal example so when after I had my first baby um I found that I got these kind of intrusive thoughts particularly in the evening actually and I you know later when, when I'd made sense of them I was able to understand you know well that's when I was more vulnerable I was more tired mm. um but when you first get these thoughts, you know, no one mentioned them in my NCT class. Um, that's our kind of antenatal class it, class that we sometimes have in this country. And so I kept getting these intrusive thoughts after I put, put her down of dropping her down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And 
it was you know they seem to just pop up in that really vivid way and sort of unexpectedly and at the time I was like this this doesn't seem to fit with you know the kinds of <laughs> thoughts that I should be getting yeah but because I had you know it's just it's just came out of the blue and it just didn't you know I was I was so happy to to have had this baby yeah um so to me it just didn't seem to fit so therein lies the, the internalization of the super mummy um you're not allowed to have any negative thoughts and um <laughs> but I also knew because I you know as I'd had my first year of training on the doctorate I also under had some understanding I suppose about these kinds of intrusive thoughts and I had even in my tiredness I had some understanding that actually what I needed to do is just to try to let them go and not attach too much importance to them mm-hmm. and I think this is you know for your listeners this is really a really important bit to hold on to that if you're having these kinds of unwanted intrusive thoughts and you're feeling you know where it, they come with these feelings of horror perhaps sh- shame and guilt then it's not so much the thoughts that matters, it's more about what you do with it. Mm. So if you can, I guess this is about sort of learning to separate from your thoughts. And this is where the mindfulness skills are really important. And I do, t- I talk about this in my new book, because I think it's so helpful for mums to understand that, you know, these thoughts can come up. Um mm-hmm. And then sort of to be equipped to to understand what to do with them. And so if a thought, if you have an an intrusive, unwanted thought of harm pop up, then what you can try to do is acknowledge it. So have your self-soothing statement. And it could be something like, hello there, harm thought. I see you. So, you know, you're acknowledging it. You're noticing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you could say, you know, I, I... you don't mean anything bad about me. I, I understand that I am good enough and I am safe. And I will try to let you go. Mm. And, I, you know, and then you, in, in doing that, you are immediately stepping back and putting yourself in that observer position. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of separating from your thoughts process. And the stepping back means that you don't get hooked by it yes and it's when it's when you get hooked by your thoughts that you it it can then spiral and yes they can spiral and then and they they can be really frightening and paralyzing so I think if you um can try those kind of skills of of noticing your thoughts acknowledging them with kindness and then trying to let them go and if you feel that they're getting in the way of everyday life with your baby then please do reach out for help um, because there is help out there and I think it can be incredibly validating to to share your thoughts with someone in a safe space and then you, you can come up with a plan yeah so with somebody you know, that understands yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly I love I love that advice and I, I completely agree I feel like mindfulness whether you are struggling with intrusive thoughts or not I feel like mindfulness should be included in all um, preparatory motherhood training I feel like it would be so valuable if um, we could even just have brief education in that rather than some of the other things that I spent way too long thinking about that were far less important let me tell you in the lead up to having babies. <laughs> (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so I love, love that advice. And, you know, that, of course, brings me to your upcoming book launch. Can you tell us a little bit more about your um, new book, Mindful New Mum? Oh, yeah. No, I would love to. So it's called Mindful New Mum, a mind-body approach to the highs and lows of motherhood. And I really wanted, I mean, when I was first asked to write this book, I felt a bit sort of like, hmm, now, you know, are new mums reading books? (laughs) I don't remember reading that many (laughs) books when I was a new mum. How can I make this as helpful as possible and the book that I would have loved to have read? Um, So I have just tried to share a lot of my psychology ideas from my clinical work, from my research, from my personal experience of being a mum. And it really does bring in the mind and the body Mm because, you know, we know that our brains and our body are so intimately linked. And I've, I've included realistic meditations and visualizations visualizations can be incredibly powerful that you can do some of them with your baby um Mm. and also just I guess some of my parent baby ideas and um there's also lots of stuff around nutrition and natural remedies and movement so there's yoga and baby massage so I, I hope that it's a very holistic and reassuring read with lots of lovely pictures, um, mm. which I hope will be experienced as calming and yeah. hope giving for a new mum. Yeah, perfect. And from what I've seen, it absolutely looks to be that. It looks like it would be an incredible gift for any new mother or a self-gift. I think even with, it doesn't need to be a first baby, like with subsequent babies, I was looking at it and, you know, each new birth and each new child joining a family brings a whole new re, you know, a shifting of dynamics mm. and almost like a, a chance to be a new mum once again. So I think it's it's absolutely beautiful for mothers everywhere. Congratulations. Now, we talked a little bit before we jumped on to record the book is available for pre-order now is that correct and will be yeah. available or um, launched in February next year is that that's right yeah February the 3rd I think amazing, amazing. yeah look out for it congratulations well we'll be sure to link to where um, you can pre-order that and and check it out as well Dr Carolyn thank you so much for your time and sharing your your experience and your wisdom about this really important um, topic and conversation. I am so grateful to have had the time with you. For anybody that does want to check out the resources that you mentioned on your website or connect with you further, could you please share where people can find you? Yes, so you can um, find me on Instagram at underscore Dr. Boyd Mm -hmm. and my website, which I think you might share in the in the show notes and I also just wanted to say thank you for having me and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today it's been so lovely because you know we connect on Instagram and then it feels like we have um this opportunity to to chat yeah oh she's real she's real (laughs) (laughs) all that wisdom I'm picking up in your little bites and the and the posts you do I'm like yeah it's a thrill the feeling's mutual so thank you very much thank you bye Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout.